Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. As you know, the federal government recently unveiled another one of their benchmarks in the fight against climate change, right? There was the talk of the oil and gas sector and how they need to reduce their emissions on a much quicker uh, schedule than before. Uh, uh, The other one was targeting nitrogen, and that touched off intense opposition from some business groups, but especially from farmers, from our agriculture community in this country. Um, And the argument is pretty simple here. One day, the feds stand up and say, Canada can help fill the gap. We can help address the growing food shortage happening around the world, a lot of it in light of what's going on in Ukraine. Well, Canada can fill some of that void. And then almost the next day, you come out and say, yeah, but we're going to limit fertilizer use that will actually reduce the amount of food that we can produce. So, so which is it? You can't have both. And what's the point of this reduction anyway? How is it another one of these grand proclamations that really, if you dig a little bit deeper, doesn't make a lot of sense? Let's find out. We'll get... Uh, Get the viewpoint of an agronomist here and president of Solid Ground Solutions. Paul Myers joins us now for a conversation. Hi, Paul. Thank you so much for joining us. Hey, Shay. Thanks for having me. So am I oversimplifying things here? I mean, really, is this anything more than handicapping our agricultural community while at the same time expecting more from them the worst possible time here? Um, well, let's let's put, I guess, this all in perspective. As an independent agronomist, I mean, I work directly with farmers, so I'm, I don't work for retailers. There's nothing in it for me to suggest that we need to produce more fertilizer or anything like that. So I want to get that straight first. So this is me being proactive in terms of uh, advocating for agriculture. And the reality is, is very simple. Um, The greenhouse gas that we're talking about or the emission that we're talking about is nitrous oxide. Nitrous oxide is basically formed uh, through a metabolic process, through heat and temperature, and volatilizes into the air. It's 300 times more uh, intensive of a greenhouse gas than, let's say, carbon dioxide. Okay. So when we look at this, we say, okay, when a farmer applies this fertilizer, they don't want to lose 30%. Um, if we lost 30%, that's, that's basically profit margin. And so when I sit down with a farmer, we literally go through the process of saying, setting a target yield. We know how much fertilizer is in the soil by taking an accurate soil test. We go through it. We benchmark and say how much uh, yield target we're going to try to set. And that goes through experience and time and effort and all those things to come up with a yield. And that yield is is where we want to try to hit. Now, the yield is important because that yield is what is needed to be profitable, to break even, and to make money, and feed the world, obviously. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So when you start looking at it, so it takes a certain amount of nitrogen, a certain amount of phosphorus, potash, sulfur, and, and micros to build a bushel of, let's say, wheat or canola. Okay, all right. It, it takes 3.4 pounds of nitrogen to produce one bushel of canola. So if I have a target yield of 50 bushels, that takes about 170 pounds of nitrogen. But when I sit down with a farmer, I have to produce 45 or 40 bushels of canola to break even. So now I'm trying to factor in a profit margin. So if all of a sudden the federal government says to us, 
you have to reduce your uh, your emissions by 30%, effectively also thereby also maybe potentially reducing our fertilizer usage. Now all of a sudden I'm playing with 140 pounds of actual nitrogen, which only will give me a 35 bushel or 30 bushel crop of canola. I'm not profitable anymore. Not only that, but now all of a sudden I've taken that 30% of the food out of that out of the food chain sure. because now I'm producing less. Now, this is one of the things that we have to understand is this is an emissions target. We're not the federal government, and I've, I'm kind of a political geek, and I've went through a lot of the data and I've I've looked at a lot of the proposals. One of the things that I really have to emphasize is right now they are soliciting feedback from the agricultural sector. You can go to the Ag Canada website. There is a discussion group or a discussion survey in the Ag Canada website, and I would uh, more uh, be you know have farmers and and advocates of agriculture go and fill out that uh, survey so that the Ag Ag Canada and federal government really has an understanding of the problems associated with advancement in technology. But at the end of the day, Shay, it's about reducing emissions. And I think there's a lot of things that we can do, even in the interim, like, for example, doing soil tests to determine that we're not over-applying fertilizer. Um, there are things that we can do from a inward-looking perspective that will actually help reduc- uh, reduce emissions. Um, because the 30%, I, I don't know of anybody that can actually tell me where they came up with this 30% reduction. I think it's sort of an arbitrary number, uh, and that number has been basically pushed forward. But um, I don't think that the technology... And the advancements in agriculture that we currently are using uh, supports that 30% reduction. I think we can reduce our emissions by doing certain things, but I don't know where they got the 30% from. But, yeah. Paul, the, the, interesting, uh, a bunch of stuff we can pull apart there. I want to ask you, though, first of all, when we talk about reducing emissions by 30%, some of the reading I've been doing, um, some of the experts saying, we don't really know what our emissions are. And what you're doing is sort of saying, well, if you buy this much fertilizer, we're assuming this. Well, you might not even use the, fer- I mean, do we have an accurate reading on how much emissions are actually being produced? Can we even quantify that? Yeah, no, because it's it's biological in nature, right? right. So if, if you are... If you're practicing the the nutrient uh, nutrient stewardship initiative, which is basically the right source, right time, right rate, right place, putting the fertilizer where it needs to be, and you have conditions that are conducive to good plant growth, you could have nominal levels of emissions. You you might have next to nothing. Now, if that same grower goes out and broadcast fertilizer or spreads manure on a field and he leaves it there for a few days, then his emissions are going to be significantly higher. So we're not taking into account this uh, technology that the farmers are currently using and the environment, which has a major factor in terms of how much nitrous oxide is actually produced. So capturing that data is not accurate. Exactly. I mean, I've looked, I've done, I've gone a deep dive and looked, you can find support for uh, 76% of the nitrous oxide being produced by agriculture down to 30%, some say 15 There is absolutely no way to quantify it other than the fact that the nitrogen cycle is very easy to look at and determine and, is, and say 
we know that nitrogen or synthetic fertilizer can produce nitrous oxide. We know how many tons are produced in Canada. Uh, we know how much tonnage is being shipped or exported. And we can do a deep, much the same as in the oil and gas sector, we can actually arbitrarily look at it and say, this is how many tons of, of carbon or uh, nitrous oxide are being produced. But to quantify it, Scientifically, I don't think they have that ability. They don't have the ability, exactly. Okay, I've only got a couple of minutes left here, Paul, but to ask the question, what do we do? What's the better way of doing this then if they do really... Because it seems to me this is a a grand proclamation that look at what we're doing when it doesn't make a lot of sense and it's really hard to figure out anyway. Is there a better way of coming at this? I think one of the biggest things is, is taking a step back and actually giving credit where credit is due with the agriculture sector, and that is... Uh, allowing farmers and and innovators to actually adopt technologies to be more efficient. There are technologies that are out there. We have coatings that produce or that limit uh, uh, nitrous oxide emissions through fertilizers, such as ESN, Agritain, those sorts of things. We're using variable rate technology and all of those things. And, and what the federal government needs to do is give credit to that and then look at how much more we can do from that perspective through genetic modification and some of the technological advancements in some of the companies they're creating uh, microbial activity for actual plants to create their own nitrogen um, many many things but to just at face value put a number on it yeah. and say now you have to do it is is basically the knee-jerk reaction and farmers and the landowners are having the knee-jerk reaction of saying, grab my pitchfork, let's go to Ottawa. And and I think we need to take a sober second thought and really look at this and say, maybe through the environmental farm plans and whatnot, say, where can we do better? But the government needs to actually acknowledge what we are already doing. Fair enough. Uh, Paul, thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate your insight today. Perfect. Thank you. Thank you. That's Paul Myers, who is an independent agronomist and the president of Solid Ground Solutions.